Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Thanks, Amber. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. We are continuing our series called Soul Search. And uh, we started last week. Uh, last week was really the, uh, the overview of why we're doing it, what we're doing. Uh, and so if you missed that, unfortunately, my own in- incredible teaching was not saved. The Internet didn't, didn't save it. But you can listen to, to Cameron, uh, Pastor Cameron, uh, who taught that at Nichols. It's on our website or on your podcast player of choice. You can just search New Day Community Church Vandalia, um, and that is on there. Uh, So I'm just going to do a really brief overview. And so what we're trying to accomplish with Soul Search is we want to create just a quick diagnostic tool for our people to use to assess their spiritual health. And this tool really gives us a, a snapshot of how we're doing and where we need to give some attention in our lives in order to live healthy and God-centered and abundant lives, right? We've all probably felt or heard from friends of ours, right? And we ask, like, how are you doing? How's your spiritual life doing? If you've ever asked that question. Maybe it's just a thing pastors ask. I don't know. How are you doing? And you just go, I just feel dry. Oh, and, I, and I'm just like, oh, it's so hard, right? And some people feel dry for a long, long time. And, and you know, what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. And this tool doesn't do that for us, but it shows us where is there a place that might be a roadblock to allowing the, the Holy Spirit to, to fill us up and to drench us with his unfailing love. And so this is just a tool to help us assess where we are in our souls. We really also want to give ourselves language so we can talk to one another about our spiritual lives, right? We want to be able to encourage one another about where we, we are at. You know, the Bible calls us to spur one another on and to encourage one another. And so we use this tool for that, you know, and I can ask Amber, hey, Amber, how's your soul? And she can say, man, I just, I read this uh, amazing thing in scripture this week and it just really, uh, you know, was good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good job, Amber. And, uh, or I could say, uh, you know, Amber, how's your soul? And she go, oh man, I, I got this new job and everybody I work with is terrible. I'm having a real hard time, right? And like, okay, I'll pray for you. That's not the case. That's not the truth. That's an example of something that could happen. It's not what did happen. Okay? Not a good example. I should have done something else. Well, it's too late now. So, uh, and so it's just this tool to use to ask the question. And we want to evaluate ourselves in four areas. We wanted to make something that was really, really simple. If you go online and search like spiritual assessment, you can find things that are pages and pages long. And that's maybe somewhat helpful once, but you're not going to use that on a daily basis to go, let me spend 45 minutes trying to figure out where I am spiritually, right? We wanted something that was real quick that helped us kind of address where we're at. And so as Cameron and I were, were working on this series, we identified four areas of life 
and these are very broad, general areas of life that need to be healthy if we are going to have healthy, life-giving relationships with God. And so those are Scripture, which we talked about last week, our relationship with God's Word. We talk, we're going to talk today about others, uh, our relationship with other folks. Uh, the next week we'll talk about upwards. What is our relationship with God through prayer and worship and journaling, hearing God's voice and the like. And the final week of September, we're going to talk about life. And this is just the overall evaluation of our, our physical life, our emotional health, our, our work and our, our habits, all of these kind of things. Because our souls are interconnected with the, the rest of it. Our spiritual life, our spiritual reality is interconnected with our physical life and our emotional life and our work life and our church life and all of these things. We can't really separate them because they all play a part into that. And so when we look at these, Scripture, others, upwards in life, we want to evaluate, is my uh, current practice of Scripture... The intake of scripture, is it moving me towards God? I wonder if I should follow this. Is it moving me towards God? It's the opposite over there. You see, it's very challenging. Pat, they don't teach you this in seminary. With the two TVs and which way do you walk? Is my relationship with scripture, others, God or life moving me towards God? Is it moving me away from God? Or am I just kind of stuck, feeling kind of dry and blasé? Uh, and we, we need to be uh, constantly evaluating ourselves. And so this is something real simple you can do every day, you know, before you go to bed. All right, I'm just going to real quick evaluate how am I doing in Scripture, others, upwards in, in life. Are they moving me towards God, stuck, or away from God? Okay. And last week, like I said, we talked about Scripture. And uh, if you missed that, just read Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. This is, scripture is refreshing. And if we practice it daily, it is going to move us towards God. But today, I'm very, very excited to talk about others. And this is just one of, every once in a while, you get to teach on something that you really like. That sounds bad. Um, every once in a while, there's something in the Bible that I like. Joking. Uh, you know, this is just one of the things that gets me excited. That's all I'm trying to say. I love it all. It's great. Right, but this one's really good, but it's also one that's very, very challenging. And so what I want to address today is um, why are our relationships, uh, why do they affect our souls? Or you know, why is it that we put others in the, the short list of, of things to address as we evaluate the health of our spiritual lives? So today, I'm going to look at four reasons why our relationships affect our souls. It's going to be so good, guys. Just buckle your seatbelts. This is going to be great. Um, and first, we live in relational networks. We'll talk about that. Second, we were created to live relationally. Like, not only are we in relational networks, this is what we were created to live in. Number three, we're going to see that love for God and love for others is linked, inextricably linked together. And finally, we're going to look at how our healthy relationships are a high priority for the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they should be a high priority for us. Okay, are you guys so excited? Here we go. Right, first, uh, we, I'm excited too. <laughs> uh, 
First, we live in relational networks. What do I mean by that? We just live in neighborhoods, right? And my neighborhood, me and Amber's neighborhood in, in Portage might look a little bit different from, from your neighborhood. We, uh, we're, we got people crammed in on us on every side, right? And get to know our neighbors pretty well as they're walking their dogs and their kids are riding bikes down the hill in front of our street, and it's great. And, uh, but you guys, right, we, maybe you guys live a little bit further out and it takes a little bit longer to get to your neighbors and you love that. <laughs> I imagine it's nice, I don't know, it's so good. Right, but we all live in these neighborhoods and in, in, on top of that, right, we have friends and family, we have uh, our neighbors, our coworkers, and we even have what we'll call our enemies, right? And very few of us have people that are like assassins that are actually trying to, to track us down and, and get rid of us. But we all have people, right, that we have moved into the enemy camp, right? They are the others, right? They're not like us. They don't look like us. But they are somehow still in our relational network, right? And so we need to learn how do we live in the way of Jesus with all of these people in our neighborhood, and throughout the, the Bible, what we see is that our godliness is played out or our godliness is seen in how we interact with all of those people, right? Our, our neighbors and our family and our friends and our enemies, right? This is the place where our godliness actually interacts with our reality. And there is uh, a, a, a Greek word called dikaiosune, uh, which is translated almost throughout the New Testament, except for one or two times that I found, once certainly in the, the book of Hebrews, in the, in the NIV, it almost is always is translated as righteousness. And righteousness is great. We love righteousness. But what the, the authors were doing was they were looking for a word, a Greek word, that kind of encapsulated this Hebrew word. Because the authors of the New Testament were Hebrews, and our gospel, the, the New Testament, flows out of our understanding of the Old Testament. We cannot separate the two. All right? And so they're trying to find a Greek word that encapsulates this idea of the Hebrew word tzedakah which means righteousness. It can be translated righteousness, but it's also translated justice. Okay? And so righteousness is, think of it as rightness towards God. And justice, think of that as living rightly towards others. So when the Greek uh, authors would write dikaiosune, and it's often translated righteousness, we cannot compartmentalize that into just our relationship with God, right? Because it also contains our relationship with others. So just to show what this looks like, found a couple of verses where dikaiosune is translated as righteousness in the NIV, and I just added and justice to it. So... Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and justice, and all these things will be given to you as well. All right, does that change how we read that? Well, it can. If we think of righteousness as our relationship with God, and we read Matthew 6 in in our Bibles, and we see but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. 
we can compartmentalize that into our spiritual lives. Like, man, what's most important is I got to make sure I get my prayer time in and I got to make sure I'm reading three chapters of the Bible every day and I got to make sure that I'm fasting once a week or, you know, in whatever the spiritual discipline is that we uh, see as righteousness. But when we understand that Daikaiosune is trying to translate tzedakah and those, both of those ideas are trying to get to this, uh, this idea of righteousness between God and justice with other people, like then it changes things. And we seek his kingdom and righteousness towards him and loving others well in the way of Jesus. That's what he's getting at. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness and justice of God. That feels weighty in a different way when we add and justice. And the last one I want to look at is 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness and justice. By his wounds, we have been healed. He bore our sins on the cross so that we could live in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others. All right? We were created to, to live in community. Oh, that's the second one. So what I meant is true health and spirituality is seen in our interactions with our friends and family and enemies and all of those people in our neighborhood. True spirituality is not reclusiveness. It is not becoming a hermit though there are times when I would really like to do that. That's not how it works. So, right, we see we live in relational networks. It's important. And not only do we live in relational networks, but we were created to live relationally. Now, these might seem very, very similar, and and they are, But there's this difference between, well, this is just our reality. We're in neighborhoods and we have to make the best of it. And understanding, oh, wait a minute. This is how I was created to live. And if I press into this, I become the most fully human that I can be. And so whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you were created to live in relationships. Now, you might like different levels of those relationships, and that's great. It's important to to find those boundaries and find, you know, where where you fit in that. But we all need relationships. And in uh, the very beginning of our Bible, chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So there's a part of our image-bearing, our likeness of, of, of God, that includes rulership, right? We are called to be co-rulers. We have authority and significance in our world. But it goes on, and in verse 27, he says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase, the num- increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Right? So we see this rulership as being a part of the image of God, but there's also something about fruitfulness and multiplying and living in relationship in communities, building culture, building cities, inventing, making music, all this stuff of life. We are called to do that in community because God, our triune God, has eternally lived in community. He's eternally lived in community with himself, which is a kind of a bonkers concept, right? But, you know, the, the Father has always been in a relationship with the Son, and the Son with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit with the Father, and in all, every which way. They, and they were created, or they were not created. They are eternal, living in relationship. We are created to bear that image. We become more fully ourselves when we live in healthy relationship. And so I kind of was trying to think, like, okay, how do I think about this? And I was, I play guitar every once in a while, and I was thinking about our, our, our relationships with others and this idea that sometimes, right, I, I don't want to live in, in community. I mentioned that I like being, want to be a hermit sometimes. Just, just give me my Xbox One and I'll be good. <laughs> And so, and so that, so me sitting alone in, with my ex, it can be, it can be good every once in a while, but it's like, think of it being alone, being isolated as just being a guitar with no strings, right? It kind of looks nice. I guess you could hang it on the wall and it would be kind of a, a cool thing, but that's not how God created us. Right? He created us to make beautiful music, right? And so we can add the strings onto the guitar and the strings can represent the other people in, in our lives, right? We're created. That's how a guitar is created. It's actually better for the, the face of the body to have the tension of the strings that keeps it from cracking and yada, yada, yada. I don't, I'm not a guitar, what are those, luthiers? I'm not a luthier. Um, and, uh, and so, so it's better to have the strings on it. But if the strings aren't in tune, right, it's just going to, like, nobody wants to listen to an out-of-tune guitar, right? Like, even if you're sitting around the campfire, nobody wants to listen to that out-of-tune guitar, right? It's gross. It's like, put that away, son. You're not interested in that. And, and so not only are we created to live in community with one another, we're also created to live in community in the way that God lives in community, right? In, in the, we, we treat each other with love and compassion and kindness and respect. We rejoice in one another. We forgive one another, right? And, and when we live well in community, we can be a beautiful guitar. And it's nice to listen to, if I do say so myself, right? And so... When you are, when we're thinking about, you know, is my relationship with others moving me towards God, away from God, or am I stuck? We can think, man, am I just, am, I'm kind of yelling at this person that cut me off in traffic, and, or I'm mad at my kids because they didn't mow the lawn, or whatever it is, right? We think, oh, wait, am I playing in tune? Am I treating people the way Jesus would treat people, right? Or am I out of tune? and not fulfilling 
my, my calling to live healthily in community. Right? And this doesn't mean that we ignore conflict. Actually, it means that we engage with conflict in, in healthy ways to get to unity and to, to peace and to flourishing in our communities, which we will get to in a moment. Right? So healthy relationships with others, whether that's our friends or our enemies, leads to contentment and fulfillment. Right? It's how we were designed to live. So we live in neighborhoods. We were created to live in community. And number three, we're going to see that love uh, for God and love for others is linked together. Actually inextricably linked together. Listen to what uh, the gospel writer Matthew says. Uh, This is 22, verse 33. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus said, he answers, and we're probably, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've probably heard this passage over and over and over again. So, but it's, it's important that we recognize that, that we, there are times, all right, Jesus, will you sum up the law? Will you sum up what the, the teaching of the law and the prophets is? And he says, absolutely. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. They are like two sides of the same coin. Don't think of Jesus giving two different commands, like do the first one. And if you can't love others, at least love God, right? Like he's not saying that. These are like... Two sides of a coin that are inseparable. We look at Leviticus chapter nine or chapter nineteen, and I don't have this up there, but you can look at this up uh, as your homework for today. Read Leviticus nineteen verses five through eleven. In verses five through eight, address how the Israelites are to bring acceptable peace offerings to God. Right? How do I have? healthy relationship, healthy interaction as I come to worship God. And then in verse 9, there's no like new heading. There's no uh, like, uh, you know, I'm changing uh, topics here. He's just going from one thing directly into the next. And 9 through 11 addresses the way in which Israelites are supposed to harvest their crops. And they're supposed to leave the outside of their field unharvested so the poor and the oppressed and the foreigner can come and get food so that they can eat, right? And so we see even way back there in the law, right, that both of these two things are right next to each other. They're not separate. We can't do one without the other. And I think the reason that they are so inextricably linked together is because they both demand that we learn how to deny ourselves. We have to learn, learn how to, to lay down our selfish sinfulness so that we can give ourselves to others and we can give ourselves to God. And that, this laying down of our selfish sinfulness, is love. And if we cannot love others selflessly, 
we do not love God selflessly. Well, that doesn't seem good, Mark. 1 John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That is a challenging scripture. If we accept this, now I, I was I'm, I'm I'm really into the, the musical Hamilton right now. I'm not I'm not recommending it. I'm not saying you should like it. I'm not even saying it's great. I'm just saying it's great and I I love it. And I learned something about Thomas Jefferson and that Thomas Jefferson had uh, what what uh, some historians call this redacted Bible. He got rid of all the bits in the Bible that he, he didn't like. He didn't like the supernatural stuff. Right? And so he got rid of the virgin birth. Right? He got rid of the miracles. It's just, it's just like, it's just, there's certain parts of this that I like. And I'm like, we, can't, we don't get to redact the Bible. Okay? Don't be like Thomas Jefferson. Don't redact the Bible. Uh, and, and so we, we have to engage with this as if, because it is true. If we don't love others, we don't love God. If we aren't loving others, we aren't loving God. So we cannot compartmentalize our spirituality. This is why others is in the, the soul search uh, metric, right? Because the way we live with others is vitally important to uh, our spiritual health because they are inextricably connected. And this ties right into that. The, the fourth point, the, the, why others is in our, our metric here, is that healthy relationships are a high priority for the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live up to your calling. Your calling to be in Christ, to bear witness of Christ, to reveal Him in your lives, in your communities. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit is at work. He values unity in the church and in the community. This is a, a quote from this author that I like. His name is Glenn Scorgi. And he says, The Spirit is a uniting force countering the centrifugal tendencies of sin. So the centrifugal being the, the pulling away or the tearing apart of, of sin. So the Spirit is uniting, countering the centrifugal tendencies of sin and creating intimacy, community, and communion where alienation and mistrust previously dominated. I love that. That's so good. And so as we read that, as we read Ephesians, we need to ask ourselves, all right, this is something that is important to the Holy Spirit. Am I working with the Holy Spirit or am I working against him? As, as we evaluate our relationships with 
friends and neighbors and families and co-workers and enemies? Right? Are we living this out, pressing in to unity? Or are we saying, Jesus, <laughs> that's a great idea. I'm sure that's going to be awesome in the kingdom when we get there. But it just doesn't work here. We don't get to think like that. We are kingdom people living a, a kingdom way right here and right now. And the, the means are more important than the ends. We don't get to figure out what the ends look like. Jesus is doing that. So we live in the way of Jesus. Right? We see this played out like the, the, the ends, if we look in the, the Old Testament story of the, the Israelites taking Canaan, right? They needed to take Jericho. And so what God said is like, what I want you to do is march around this city seven times. Well, well God, that's bonkers. That makes no sense. But all right, we're not, it's not our job to figure out the ends. That's your job. We're just going to do what you tell us to do. And so they walked right around the city seven times going, well, Let's see what happens, you know. And what happens, God does what God does. He breaks the walls down and they fulfill his purposes. Right? We, we see in the, the New Testament, the, the, the disciples trying to take the ends into their own hands. Jesus is being rested. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one who is going to set all things right again. We know that, right? He's, he needs to sit on the, the throne of Israel. And so if he's getting arrested, we need to draw swords and fight this guy, these guys that are trying to take him. And, and I feel bad. I say, this is one of my favorite scriptures, right? That Peter takes the sword out and hacks the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, Peter, don't do that. Peter's like, Jesus, you told me to go get the sword. Why do I have the sword? But Jesus is like, don't, you're thinking the way humans think, right? You're supposed to walk the way of Jesus. And as I've told you multiple times at this point, is that I'm going to Jerusalem to die. It doesn't look like that's going to get us to the ends we want, but that's how God works. God is in charge of the ends. We are in charge of walking the way of Jesus. And so Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they are at work reconciling the world, bringing peace. And we get to participate in that work. As we seek peace, as we seek reconciliation with others, whether those are people that we like or those are people that we don't like, whether it's people that look like us or people that don't like us, look like us, right? People that think like us or that don't think like us. These are all the people who we are at work with God bringing reconciliation and bearing witness of the way of Jesus. And this, in this unity is seen really, really beautifully in Ephesians. A couple chapters before uh, the previous scripture, Paul says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Right? Right? There's, and God is bringing all sorts of random, crazy people into his kingdom. People we like, people we don't like. All these people, God is drawing them in, right? And so Paul, uh, talking to uh, probably you know Jewish people here, 
go, hey, don't, don't reject the Gentiles. God's bringing them in. And they are now, all of us together, male, female, uh, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, whatever, we're all citizens. We're all fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. This is the good part. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So all of these random people that God is calling into his kingdom are being fit together. And we are one expression of this temple. But we are part of the, the global church. But we are one uh, piece of the temple. And so we don't get to go, God, I don't like that building material. I'd really much rather, let's stay with granite, right? That's nice. It looks like you're building a bit of a hodgepodge here. We're not interested in that, right? But that's not what we get to do. We just take whatever God is doing. He is building a temple. And in that temple, it is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And yes, we are individually temples and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But in some cosmic, spiritual, crazy way, right, we are also a temple of God as we gather together. And the Holy Spirit dwells in this place. And if we live within unity, we work with the Holy Spirit and we create a place where he likes to be. So I got to wrap up. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like? This looks like we need to evaluate our relationships, right? I don't know where my great graph is. Well, whatever. So are we moving towards God? Is this way? Are we maybe moving away from God, or are we stuck? And so we pick a relationship with a friend, a family, coworker, spouse whatever, right, and go, in my relationship with my spouse, right, is it moving me towards God, away from God, or am I stuck? Am I loving them like God loves them? Or am I holding a grudge or holding bitterness, holding on to anger or unforgiveness? Right, any of these things are moving us away from God. They are hindering our intimacy with God. And so if you're like, man, God, I just feel so far away from you, and you're mean to your wife, that's probably one of the reasons. Stop being mean to your wife and see how that helps. We also want to do this not just with the people close to us. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but we want to do this. We want to, how are we treating our enemies? Right? Is my relationship with opposite political partisans moving me towards God, away from God, or is it just leaving me stuck? Right? It's important that we love people who are our enemies, who are opposed to us. Right? And I'll tell you what, before 2020, I didn't really even know, I don't have any enemies. There's nobody, I don't know who's opposing me. Well, in 2020, I found out there's a couple of folks opposing me. <laughs> Oops. And, and my initial reaction is not love. My initial reaction is like, I'm going to fight and prove my rightness. Right? But I'm learning like, oh, wait a minute. I get to walk in the way of Jesus and love my enemies. Listen to what Jesus says. This is a ridiculous thing to say, Jesus, but here it is. We can't redact it. But love your enemies. Do good to them. 
and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Wait, you want me to lend to my enemies without expecting a return? Well, that seems like foolishness, Jesus. That might work in your kingdom. Wait, there's not going to be any enemies there, so maybe this is for now. Uh Uh-oh. But love your enemies, right? And then, if you give without expecting anything back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Wait, God, I really like being your kid. I love singing Good, Good Father. I love just receiving the, the love of God. But are you saying that the way that I treat others affects my, my relationship with you as your child? Apparently. Well, we don't like that. We're reformed. We're, we're, we're Protestants, right? There's no works. I don't have to do anything. Well, we might have to do something. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He, because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He doesn't wait for them to get their acts together. He doesn't wait for them to to clean themselves up. He just loves the wicked and the ungrateful. So be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And guys, Each and every one of us was an enemy of God. But in his grace, in his mercy, he reconciled us through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you are here or you are watching online and you have never received God's offer of reconciliation, which just means the restoration of friendly relations, right? Today is the day. And I would love to, to pray with you uh, after church or one of the, the people on the prayer team would love to pray with you. So I encourage you, if this is your day, bend the knee to King Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. But for those of us in the kingdom, as we bow to King Jesus, let us give grace and mercy to, to others. And let us give, us, let's, let us give those things freely. Let us live out Christ-like love for others that moves us towards God and not away from Him. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love You. Lord, we thank You that when we were Your enemies, You loved us. And You drew close to us to redeem and restore us. Lord, we love You because You first loved us. And Lord, now that we have received this incredible love, as we have received forgiveness, as we have received uh, grace and mercy, let us live those things out with everybody in our sphere of influence, God. Let us bear witness of you by living lives of compassion and grace and humility and self-sacrifice and love with everybody that we meet. Lord Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.